Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So glad that you're here uh, celebrating Christmas with us. We recognize you could be a million different places, and we're grateful that you're here. And our theme for our Christmas Eve service this year is Home for Christmas. And the whole reason we picked this theme is I really do believe it sums up so much of what Christmas is about. It really is, I I believe, really the essence of the Christmas story. If you have your Bibles, go over to Luke chapter 2 with me. At Life Church, sometimes the first time we open the Bible, we cheer and we don't do it the second time. So, but this Home for Christmas thing, for, for me, the biggest thing that it really means is it's, it's about the fact that at Christmas, God came to make his home with us. And in fact, this was the prophecy that was made 700 years before Jesus came in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it, it ends up being quoted as a part of the Christmas story in Matthew, where it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very essence of Christmas is that God came to make his home with us. This was the prophecy 700 years before. We see it stated in Matthew's account of the Christmas story, but I believe that if we'll take a fresh look at Luke chapter two, we can see a beautiful picture of this truth. Luke chapter two, verse one says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Now, Luke is writing in such a way that he's making clear this is not a fairy tale. This is not a once upon a time this thing happened. This is historical fact. He says this thing happened when this census occurred. It was the first one declared from this governor. He's saying this is real deal history. It says that everyone went to their own town or their ancestral home, if you will, to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. This next little line's important. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now that, as what I just read you there, is from the New International Version of the Bible, but if you're like me, you grew up hearing those verses from the King James Version, whether you heard it uh, as read at church or whether you were watching a Christmas play or pageant or even the Charlie Brown Christmas special, uh, you, you heard it probably this way in, in the King James Version. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so many of us, for most of our lives, when we think about the Christmas story, we imagine Mary and Joseph showing up at the Bethlehem Holiday Inn Express, and there's this evil innkeeper who sends them away. He ends up being one of the villains of Christmas, 
But I think it's entirely possible that there was no innkeeper and that there was no inn. See, see the, the thing is, given the, as, you, as you look at the history and you look at the language and you look at the culture, it really makes us kind of rethink this setting a little bit because given Joseph's reason, the whole reason they went to Bethlehem is it was Joseph's ancestral home. It's possible that he grew up in Bethlehem or his dad grew up in Bethlehem, or his dad grew up in Bethlehem, but there's no doubt he had relatives in Bethlehem. And in the culture of the ancient Near East, hospitality was one of their highest values to the point where they would even allow strangers to stay with them uh, when passing through. But so the idea of going to your ancestral home and not staying with family would be completely incomprehensible, even family that you'd never met before. It was common in that time to even go to family, distant relatives, and, and, and encounter them. And then as you begin to list your relatives, say, Joseph's saying, I'm, I'm Joseph, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, and then we have this common ancestor back here. They, they would, in every scenario, show remarkable amounts of hospitality. And so the idea of them going and staying in what we would think of as a hotel or a motel or even an Airbnb, the idea of paying to stay at a strength, a property owned by a stranger really wouldn't fit the cultural context when going to a place where you had family or extended family. And so why does the King James Version say uh, there was no room for them in the inn? It was likely a mistrans, not the very best translation. See, the, in the Greek language, uh, there's two words that, that can be used uh, for, uh, in, in a, to speak of a lodging place. The, the word for something like a hotel or a motel, as pandokion, it's, it's the word that Luke uses when telling the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan, he finds this man in great need and he helps him. And then it says that he takes him to an inn, pays the innkeeper to help take care of him. That's the word used for, for a place where you're paying to stay at a property owned by a stranger. But here Luke uses a different word. It's this word, catalima, which, which can be translated a place to stay, oftentimes used to speak of a guest room or an upper room. The, the, the way in which most houses in ancient Palestine were configured is for many houses, it was just simply a, a one-room dwelling where all of the family would, would sleep, and in the evenings, it was common to bring in the small animals that were owned by the family. Both the animals added to the heat that was available inside the house. It also kept the animals safe from predators or from thieves. And so this one room where the family would sleep, oftentimes animals in the room with a manger in the actual living room. And then if you were a wealthier person, you might have a guest room, usually on the second floor, where, where guests would stay. And so in the story of the Jesus and the Last Supper, when Jesus takes Passover in this upper room, this is the word that's used, this word to speak of a guest room or an upper room. And, and so this, this idea of what actually was more likely happened was Joseph and Mary, they go to Bethlehem, they go to the home of some relatives, and the relatives say, hey, other relatives who have also come here for this census, they're staying in our upper room or in our guest room. There's no room there, so just stay right here in our living room where the rest of us are and where the animals are also. 
And so this idea that we have of Jesus being born in a barn or a stable, yards and yards away from any other people, is likely not how it went. It's very likely, more likely, that Jesus was actually born in something more like a living room. And in doing and this, what this does, this understanding really paints this beautiful picture of, of this whole idea of, of the essence of Christmas, that God has come to make his home with us. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus actually born in a home, in a living room, likely with relatives nearby, with this idea that God could not be coming any closer at all. It's this whole essence of Christmas, God has come to make his home with us. It's so much more personal. As I get ready to go into this, my second point, we're going to have the moment in our message that's a little bit more interactive. And so I'm going to be looking for a volunteer, and I have one of the greatest possible incentives, which is a $25 Starbucks gift card. Doesn't get much higher stakes than that. We're going to play a little Christmas karaoke. All right, Gina, all right, come on up. All right, I did not have to ask for a volunteer. She volunteered. Is it the Starbucks gift card or the thought of karaoke? All right, come on down. Come on down. Let's give it up for Gina. This was not prearranged. I'm sorry she did rob any of the others of having the chance to volunteer. Hey, so 1943, Bing Crosby... Uh, released this song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And so little Christmas karaoke, here's your $25 Starbucks gift card. Now, you got it? Now, Gina, a couple of questions. Is karaoke kind of your thing? Microphone. Oh, yeah, I sing a little bit. So karaoke is kind of a thing. I've have done you ever, karaoke. Have, have you ever done karaoke sober? Yes. All right, that's good. Okay. Last service, it seemed like this was gonna be the first time. And so, uh, oh, all right, yeah. so it's I'll Be Home for Christmas. Words will be back there. If they're too small, you can look on the big screen, okay? okay. So crowd, let's cheer her on as she goes. <laughs> I have more to get to. Oh, that high, really? For Christmas, bit of history of that song. So Bing Crosby released it in 1943, became a great hit. It's written through the lens of a World War II soldier, off at war, writing to his family 
asking them to prepare for him to be there for Christmas, putting in his special requests of snow, mistletoe, presents on the tree. But then it ends with this melancholy note where he says, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. This recognition, he's not going to be there, but he longs to be. And this really this idea of home for Christmas, I believe it really speaks to our deepest longings. See, we talk about being home for Christmas, it's less about location and more about what we associate with this idea of being home for Christmas, where we kind of take the best of our childhood memories and the best of a Hallmark Christmas movie, and we sort of wrap it all together in this imagination of, of everything that can be perfect about Christmas. We imagine ourselves sitting by the fire in a beautiful living room with a beautiful Christmas tree surrounded by the people that we love the most on their very best behavior which is almost never how it turns out. And we're eating incredible food. And in our mind's eye, while, we're, while we have this picture of our best childhood memories, the best Hallmark movie, we're sitting by a fire, a beautiful tree, our favorite people, every, eating great food. It's sort of in that moment in our mind's eye, everything feels right in the world. See, all of these longings that we all have all the time end up many times, we kind of put them together in our ideas of the perfect Christmas, this longing to be known and to be loved and to be accepted, this longing for everything to feel right in the world. And it's really this, this whole idea of home for Christmas really speaks of these longings that we all have. Let me show you Luke chapter two, verse eight. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, there's a, tons of remarkable things about the Christmas story, but nothing more remarkable than the fact that God would choose to first announce the birth of the Savior of the world to shepherds. Shepherds were seen as the, the lowest level of society. They were looked at with suspicion as being liars and thieves. Their very, their very occupation made it, uh, them unable to participate in normal, respectable religious life. And so they went through life, and the nature of their work is they were away from family for long periods of time. And so the idea of, of shepherds having this understanding of loneliness and isolation and going through life feeling rejected. And but what God does is he chooses for these angels appear, could, could, could have appeared to anybody, but they appeared to these shepherds. And then let's, let me show you this message. That the message of the angels. They said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. And so we, we see this angel appears to these people who, whose life had been filled with loneliness and rejection and, and brings this message and, and then the, the message that the angel brings is the greatest news of all. He says, he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy that'll be for all the people. And the good news is this, a savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's been the one that we've been waiting for who will one day make everything right in 
the world. See, these deep longings that we have to be known and loved and accepted and and for things to really be right in us and right in our families and right in the world, that these longings that there would be no more brokenness and no more pain, these longings that there'd be no more divorce and no more child abuse and no more sickness and no more dying and that relationships would be right, that all of these longings really are longings for heaven. And the message of of Christmas is that all of the the things we long for, they're not gonna be found in a Hallmark movie. All of the things we long for aren't gonna be found in this perfect person that we one day find. All of the things that we long for ultimately are found in God, and one day we can experience in great measure now, and one day in total measure when he makes everything wrong in the world Right, it's really, home for Christmas really speaks of all of our longings. Home for Christmas is an invitation. Let me show this to you. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What the angels are saying very clearly to these shepherds is you are invited. You are invited to come and encounter this Savior. You are invited to come and find him. He says, the angel says, this is how you're gonna know you found him. You're gonna find him lying in a manger. This was an invitation, and the nature of every invitation is it requires a response. Even when we ignore an invitation, that's a response. You might have gotten an invitation, an email to your work Christmas party, and you're like, I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see that. That is as a response in and of itself. Or you were invited to a party and you either said, yes, I'm coming, or no, I'm not coming. But these angels invite these shepherds to come and encounter Jesus. Let's keep going in the story. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. These shepherds received an invitation to encounter Jesus and they chose to accept the invitation. See, here's the thing. On this first Christmas, And I really believe on this Christmas, God is inviting us to come home to him. See, Jesus told a great story. He tells a story about how there was a father and a son. The son had come to the father and said, Father, I I don't wanna keep living here and I I, I just wanna do my own thing, but I would like to go ahead and get my inheritance early. Who knew that that was even a possibility? And the son comes to the father and says, I would like to get my inheritance early. He then leaves and goes and blows all the money, makes every possible mistake he could make, lives doing all the wrong things. And then one day comes to his senses and says, I'm gonna go back and see if I can at least be one of my father's servants. And so he makes his way back home. And what the son doesn't know is that what the way the story reads, it seems as though every single night since that son said he wanted nothing to do with his father and wanted to live life on, on, on his own terms and, and, and not in relationship with his father, what that son doesn't know is it seems as though that father every single night had looked off in the horizon looking to see if that was going to be the day that his son had come home. 
And then the night finally came where the father looks out, sees the son in the distance. The father then runs out to him, wraps him in a big hug, and throws the biggest party imaginable. The whole reason Jesus tells that story is to make it clear to all of us that God is that father. And we are all that son who, who, because of our sin and our desire to live life where we're in charge and God's not in charge and our desire to live life on our own terms, not on God's terms, we, we've all gone away. We've all wandered away. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray, each of us to our own right. We've wandered away from the Father, but the Father is looking in the horizon, longing for that moment when we will come home. And that's really what Christmas is all about. It's that God came to make his home with us so that we might come home to him. That's really what Christmas is all about. This is the invitation. This is why Jesus came, to bring us back home to the Father. That's why Jesus left heaven, came to earth to be born as a baby. He came to us because we could never get, get to him. And he came and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. Here's the thing. A, a bunch of us, for the first three days of January, are gonna work really hard to be the best version of ourselves. And then day number four, we're gonna realize, I'm still the same person I've always been. But Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we never could live, no matter how hard we try. And then he died the death. He was born that he might die. He willingly died in our place, taking the punishment I deserve for every bad thing I've ever done, every bad word I've ever said, every bad thought I've ever had. Taking the punishment for every bad thing you've ever done, every bad thought you've ever had, every bad word you've ever said. He willingly said, I'll take it on myself. He was born that he might die. But the good news is he didn't stay dead. If Jesus had stayed dead, he would have been forgotten within a generation and we wouldn't even be talking about Christmas. He rose from the dead and in doing so, he defeated our greatest enemies, the enemy of sin, the en so that we don't have to go through life carrying a bunch of guilt and shame and regret for all the mistakes and bad things we've ever done. We don't have to go through life separated from God because of our sin. He conquered the enemy of sin and he conquered the enemies of death and hell so that we don't have to go through life fearing what's gonna happen when I die? Where am I gonna go when I die? He overcame our greatest enemies all so that we could come home to the Father. You say, well, how do I do that? The Bible really says there's two things. The first thing's to believe. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God. To believe that he did die on the cross for your sins to believe that he rose from the dead, really to believe that he's your only hope. Bible says we believe and then we repent. That word repent, really what we're talking about is it's coming to a time in our life where we say, I no longer wanna live life where I'm in charge. I no longer wanna live life on my own terms, going my own direction, but I wanna give God the steering wheel of my life. And, and I no longer want to just keep living for myself going this way. And I, I want to turn from my sins and I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And I wonder tonight, some of you are here because you come every year at Christmas Eve. Because candles make us feel nice. Some of you are here because this is your Christmas present to your mom. Mom, I'll go to Christmas service with you. 
a Christmas present to your wife. But I wonder if the real reason you're here tonight is because tonight is the night where you come home this Christmas, where you come home together. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. Why don't we pray together? Some of you, but this might be the first time you've ever heard stuff like this. Others of you might have heard stuff like this your whole life, but this is the first time where it's really made sense, where it's really clicked. And some of you, there's something inside of you that's saying, this is what you need. This is what you've been looking for, this hole inside you that you've been trying to fill with relationship after relationship that always leaves you wanting more or that, that hole inside you that you've been trying to fill with success. If I can just reach this level of success, then that's gonna be what satisfies me or you've been trying to fill with possessions and if I can just get this, then that'll fill this hole in my heart. But, but the reality is the thing that you need, the thing that you were created for, is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And maybe you've done a whole bunch of religious stuff your whole life, but it's never become real and it's never become personal. And tonight's the night that you give your life to Christ. Tonight's the night where you become, begin living as a follower of Jesus. Tonight's the night where this Christmas you come home to the Father. And for some of you, there's something inside of you that's saying, this is what you need. In a minute, I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud and you can pray something like it silently in your heart. It's not even as much about the words. It's, it's really about just what's going on in your heart, crying out to God, but there can be something powerful in looking back on a moment where you know that you know that you did business with God. So I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud. You can pray something silently in your heart, something like this. God, I need you. And this Christmas, I wanna come home to you. And I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe that he is my only hope. And I don't wanna keep living life where I'm in charge of doing my own thing and going my own direction. But God, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. So Father, even right now, would you come and live inside of me in the person of your Holy Spirit and take control of me? I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one's looking around, it's just you and me. I wonder how many of you say, you know what? I just prayed that prayer and really meant it for the first time. I just gave my life to Christ. If that's you, I just wanna celebrate with you. If you just prayed that prayer with me, I wanna invite you. No one's looking around, it's just you and me. I wanna invite you in a moment just to raise your hand and then look up at me and let your eyes meet mine. And so if you prayed that prayer and really meant it, just wanna invite you right now, just 
raise up a hand and look up at me and let your eyes be mine. I see you there, ma'am. Anybody else on this side? Say, you know what? I just prayed to give my life. I see you guys back there. Anybody else on this side of the room? Say, you know what? I just prayed to give my life to Christ. I really meant it. Anybody else on this side? I see you there in the back. What about here right in front of me? Say, you know what? I just prayed to give my life. I see you guys back there. Anybody else in this middle section? I see you there, buddy. Anybody over here in in this section on this side of the room? I see you guys all right there. Anybody else on this side? So, you know, I, I see you there, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody? I see you there. Anybody else? So, you know what? I just prayed to give my life to Christ, and I really meant it. Anybody else? So, Father, we thank you for Christmas, all that it means that you came to make your home with us, to meet our deepest longings in you, that we might make our home with you forever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.